Welcome back to HTM Insider. I'm glad you joined us again today. I'm Sherelle with Multimedical Systems, and today we have Sean with Trimedics. Sean's been in the business for a very long time, and he's a leader in the industry, so we're so happy to have him on today. We're going to be talking today about how to train those new employees, those new BMETs, when you get them in your shop, and then again, how can we maybe entice and work with females in the industry that are joining the BMET HTM culture, and how can we retain them as valuable employees as well? So, Sean, thanks for coming on today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, and not working outside in the cold. I will say that. Yeah, I, I imagine you have some cold weather there. We do. We do negative three and uh, wind chills of negative 20 here in Chicago. So we're looking forward to breaking freezing next week. Wow. Wow. Well, why don't you tell us about yourself in case somebody doesn't know you, like where you're at, what you've done, your history. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am a lifelong clinical engineering tech. Uh, I've been in the industry now for 20 plus years. I actually, I love telling my my story about how I became an engineer because I grew up in a small farmer uh, country town in Ohio. My dad was fire chief. I became a firefighter and I wanted to actually be an FBI agent. Uh, I was going to Ohio University as with criminal justice, and I decided I was going to join the military to just get some federal service and become the FBI agent. Well, what occurred was I joined the Army and they put me into equipment repair, uh, medical equipment repair, because I really didn't care what I did. And uh, I ended up having a knack for equipment repair. I graduated at the top of my class with the DOD uh, Medical Equipment Training School and went on with a military career of um, repairing medical equipment here in the States and also in Iraq. Uh, then became a recruiter and became a supply sergeant for a engineering command here in Darien, Illinois. And I was actually 12 years into a military career and signing my last contract. Uh, and I had applied to Edward Hospital uh, to become an engineer. Uh, went through the interview, didn't hear anything, swore in to my last eight years of the United States Army. And the day after I re-enlisted, Edward Hospital called me and said, would you like to offer you a job? I told him I couldn't do it. I had a federal contract. And that, as soon as I hung up the phone, our administrative sergeant came in and said, Sergeant Malloy, we put the wrong social security number on every page of the contract. It's completely void. Would you resign? And I said, give me a minute. And I called Edward Hospital and I said, can you guarantee me that I'm going to have this position and be back into clinical engineering? And they said, yes. And that moment I left the military and started in Edward Hospital with clinical engineering again. And since then, it's been an amazing ride. And now I find myself as a director of clinical engineering here at the University of Chicago for Trimedics. You know, that's a great story. Wow. You know, you had your, your eyes set on one goal, and then mm -hmm. now you're in healthcare technology management. That's an awesome story, Sean. Yes. 
So I, I love the history that you bring and, and the different experiences that you bring to the industry. Uh, I want to know more about when you bring in someone to any facility, whether it's to be a traveling tech for TriMedics or maybe it's a, a, a hospital setting. You know, we're really struggling right now because we have a lot of schools that these students might not be getting all the hands-on experience as traditional schools were a long time ago because we need more bi biomeds. I mean, we got to get these get these guys on the street, right? How do we you do. retain how do you retain them? What's the plan? So the the first challenge is trying to find the biomeds and and we, you know, as we find ourselves whether it's in rural Minnesota where, you know, it's small town, small population, not a big technical technical background or we're in south side chicago where you know transit's a little more difficult um you, you've got to really open your eyes to being more than i'm looking for the guy who's got 10 years of experience right in biomedical engineering because that it just doesn't exist anymore okay those are really unicorns that we're looking for um what we did is started expanding the career fields that we were looking for. Uh, we started partnering with the DOD um, and, and looking for, you know, not just the engineers who went through the DOD program, but also, you know, radio repairmen, uh, your flight repair, you know, partnering with your career counselors at your reserve centers for National Guard, Air Force, Navy, and Army is an excellent resource to pull in technicians because what you've got is somebody who's got technical training with the government. They're back, they're doing their one weekend a month, but they, you know, when they left, they were working at McDonald's, they were working at a grocery store, and now they have this new talent and they want to get into something. And that's what happened in my career. I, I started off in the reserves. I was a manager at McDonald's. And when I came back, I was working at McDonald's and I'm like, you know what? I can do so much more. And I got the opportunity to start working at a hospital and I, I didn't stop from there. Now, I do understand as a leader, we have smaller hospitals who really don't have the bandwidth to take on a lot of just out of college, no experience biomeds. So the larger organizations who have 10, 20, 30 employees, we need to understand our role within the career field as a conduit into this career field to create those experienced and educated technicians. And you need to be able to take that risk of bringing on a new technician and then having a plan to develop that technician. Yeah. Is yours a written plan? Do you guys actually have mm -hmm. some type of SOP that you follow? Yes. So TriMedics actually started a TriMedics trained program where they, you know, brand new uh, biomeds will actually go through the USOC training. They'll go through the Biomed University training over a two-year period to develop those general biomed skills. Now, one thing that I also, you know, really implement to my managers is preventive maintenance is the best media for a new engineer to work with, right? Everybody thinks that you just take the engineer and you put them on beds, you put them on pumps, and then they're stuck there for a little while and they'll learn time management and everything else. 
but nothing allows you to really get good experience with general biomed equipment than doing preventive maintenance. Now, if you're doing preventive maintenance on defibs, electrical surgical analyzers, all that general biomed stuff, you're seeing how it works, you're seeing why it works. That way, when it comes to actually getting a, a repair work order, you'll be able to, you know, know what is it supposed to be doing, right? And the other, the other good thing to that is it provides relief to your experienced biomeds. They're no longer doing PMs on general biomed. They're focused on repairs and it's, it's a kind of symbiotic relationship. Do you find it still hard in some shops that you've had experience with is, you know, the, how can I say the, the culture when new biomeds come in, right? It is. They, they it take is. time and effort and patience and kindness. How, how, how do you deal with that? You know what? You're just, number one, we have to be authentic with with each other and we need to understand that we have different personalities i mean what an interesting field clinical engineering is in the different personalities and characters that we have in clinical engineering right if if i could you know you know that we have so many different types of characters and they have value and they have talent but you know as a leader how to utilize those talents right and so when you add the generation gap to that, right, there's you, you have to, as a manager, kind of be that bridge between. You can't be one side or the other. You have to be hip and you have to be old fashioned, right? You have to realize that our, our older technicians and our more experienced technicians, they want to stay relevant. They want to stay relevant because nobody wants to fall behind. And with the idea of AI and applications and everything, that's the new microprocessor, right? That's the new modulated non-component troubleshooting. And there's a big gap there, right? With our new technicians coming in, they're much more, you know, you know, educated and experienced with smart devices as we move everything to our phones to do work orders. And so as much as the older generation, experienced generation has something to provide the newer, the newer has something to provide the more experienced technicians. And it is the leadership's responsibility to create an environment where those kind of traits can occur. You know, Sean, you, you hit it on the nose. You said the generation gap. Um, having a daughter who started in the field at the age of 22 and the next Biomed was 42 mm -hmm. in a very large shop. And she was the only female, which is something we're going to talk about today, too. But you talk about a difficult road, you know, and I felt for her. And you want your your young person, you know, whether they're your employee or your child to succeed, mm -hmm. not hold your hand too much, but let them learn at a rate that they're comfortable with learning. And we don't want to scare them away. Right. And. And ultimately, it's it is you know, we remember from being young biomeds that it's already a scary environment, right? Your decisions, your actions have circumstances, and now you're even more worried about how how someone's going to view you if you ask too many questions or if you make a mistake. They're going to think you're incompetent, right? 
But that's not true. We've been there, right? We've been there. We know that this career field is 75% experience, 75% experience. So, you know, to reemphasize with the younger technicians, you need to ask questions. You need to know that you don't know and that you need to absorb as much information as possible and not try to do it on your own. And that's, you know, I think that's where mentorship comes in. And we need to all be more open to being mentors. Matter of fact, at the conference at CMIA this week, we kind of started a ask me to be your mentor, wear a button. And just so they can engage in that conversation, because it is intimidating for a young biomed to walk up to you yourself and ask you for advice or help me with career planning. So just trying through this podcast and through little initiatives that way to be able to help, I guess, maybe focus some energy on not only bringing them in, but retaining them. So So how do you retain somebody? Okay. Number one, you have to, let them know they have value. They have to feel like they have value. They have to feel comfortable. Okay. And you have to really kind of put yourself in their shoes. Are they comfortable to ask questions? Are you being interactive enough to where you're providing them every possible avenue to ask questions and be comfortable to share if they're having problems? Okay. That comes to one-on-ones. That comes to open door policies. And it comes to being responsive, responsive to emails, responsive to messages. And we talked about the generation gap, right? You got to be able to respond to everything. Emails, text messages, messenger, you know, all of that. You have to be responsive as a leader. Those are all areas of communication. Okay. And you have to be, you know, able to, you know, when we had emails, we had, you know, and that, and that was newer, uh, you had to be careful about how you came off in emails, right? And now there's text messaging, right? Is it, you know, is it professional to put an emoji in text messaging? Um, you know, some people might say no, but that's the way people communicate today. You know, so can you communicate feelings and, and comfort an emoji, right? But you also have to be careful because there's ways of uh, misinterpreting. So number one, opening up communication. Number two, investing in the technician. Are you setting goals? Are you utilizing tools to ensure that they increase their value to the hospital, to the company, and to the career field? That comes from making sure they get manufacturer training. That makes that comes to making sure that they get exposure and experience. And some of that falls on the management. Some of that also comes back to the engineer. You know, I know a lot of times we talk about, hey, manufacturer training, you know, we, you know, we either have it or we don't. Sometimes budgets get tight. Um, but one thing I always like to focus on is as a leader, you should be well-rounded on all the benefits that your employees have to them. So, for example, you know, tuition assistance. If there's tuition assistance, why aren't we talking to our technicians about how to make sure they utilize that, regardless if they're going for a degree, to improve their knowledge? You know, I'm a lifetime learner. 
So every every year I max out my tuition assistance by taking college courses. Uh, I've, I've got a degree in electronic engineering. I, I'm now wrapping up a degree in hospital administration and I'll be moving on to get a degree in AI. Right. So making sure your technicians have an annual goal to utilize that tuition to go to manufacturer training and to learn something new. You know, those are what uh, those annual goals should be. Annual goals should be operational to where we set matrix for them to meet PM completion and so forth. But you should always have two to three developmental goals that are leading that technician to uh, promotion. And I think that shows that you're invested in them. 100%. Right. Uh, Yes. There's several ways to show investment. One of those is you're putting in time. You're showing that you have an interest in their success. And part of it's talking to them to understand what success means to them, right? We all are driven by different things. Uh, we all hired the person right out of college who, you know, the moment they're hired as Biomed 1, they want to be Biomed 3, Right. Well, do we have the conversation with them to say, well, you know, this is the path and these are the goals and timelines that you need to hit to get there, right? If they know that, then we're not going to be having a conversation in three months about why am I not Biomed 2? They have to have an understanding. And those one-on-ones with technicians are very important to get that done. I think that that shows accountability as well. 100%. It shows accountability and leadership, but it also shows that it's accountability of the technician. You know, if there's one thing that technicians don't want and managers don't want, it's micromanagement. You know, technicians don't want to be micromanaged and managers don't want to micromanage because when you get in large enough shops, it's impossible. Yeah, 100%. And I do think it's very powerful for managers to have those one-on-ones to even know the personal side of their employees, because that can be advantageous or be a disadvantage depending on where they're at in their life and what's going on, just to have that concern, empathy, sympathy for whatever they might be going through. A hundred percent. And, you know, I share uh, a story here uh, from when I was when I was a manager um, at a undisclosed location where I had a senior technician who'd been with the organization for a long time. And we were noticing some documentation issues. So at a one-on-one event, I, you know, it was getting to the point of some formal counseling and I had a formal document printed up. And when talking to them, I identified that they were having some vision problems. They were having some memory problems. And instead of going the formal direction, I actually referred them to, you know, hey, why don't you go get a medical evaluation? Okay, just it's been a while. Go get yourself checked out. Right. Because of that conversation, the next day that that technician was actually in the OR undergoing brain surgery. Uh, They had identified a tumor. And luckily, that technician, because of that, was in recovery and back to work in less than a month. And it was amazing because we had the old technician back again. Right. So, you know, you may think that having that personal touch and understanding what's going on in your technician's life uh, it really does have a big impact. And I would say 90 percent of the formal 
counselings are a result of not knowing what was going on with a technician and they were trying to handle something on their own and they made that decision, right? Yep. Now, I know we kind of talked briefly about this before, but give praise where praise is due, right? Giving praise. Oh, 100%. Saying, saying thank you and I appreciate you. Those words of affirmation, I think, are very big tools in the, in the manager's toolbox, right? They, they are huge. They are huge. Uh, people want to be valued. People, even your best, who know they're their best, want to hear it. OK, um, it's important also for, you know, to take a moment as as always in clinical engineering, it's moving forward, moving forward. This is fixed. What's next? Right. Next month, you know, PM's completed. Let's go to next month. Um, it's important as a leader to take a moment. Pause, look back and recognize everything someone is doing. Sometimes it's as easy as a thank you. Sometimes it's as easy as, hey, let's go grab a coffee or let me pay for your lunch, right? Um, that is severely important for you to recognize technicians. Now, I'm going to play the other side of this, this coin because a lot of time recognition is a very easy thing. It feels good, right? It feels good because you're able to recognize people. But on the same side of the coin, you have to hold people accountable, okay? If you have a technician who is not doing the right thing. As much as it's important to recognize those as who are, it's important to hold the person who is not accountable. Now, there's two reasons, a few reasons for that. Number one, we always do that to try to correct the issue, right? And if not, if it doesn't correct, there's a process for that. But as we know, in any clinical engineering shop, in any organization, there's a lot of eyes. And if they see a technician who's not doing something and getting away with it, that is an engagement issue. If you look at any engagement survey, it says, do you feel people are held accountable for their actions? Okay. And if they're not held accountable, and we don't have to publicize it, right? But people know, um, then you can have dissatisfaction within the shop. Okay. Um, it's difficult for a manager to write somebody up or to, you know, really counsel somebody because they may have horrid PM completion, but they're incredible repairmen. Our job is to make them better, right? And that's the purpose of counseling and that's the purpose of accountability. So yes, a hundred percent recognition. We actually, I'm a big office fan, the office. So we do Dundee awards. Uh, so yeah, we do Dundee Awards, um, but it is very important to recognize, and it is never beyond me to you know come down to a shop and you know walk around, see your people at least once a week. You know that's that's another thing, Cheryl. Is with you know coming out of the COVID period, a lot of people are working, continuing to work remotely. We're definitely not going as you know on site as we used to. But I always talk about proximity, okay? Proximity to your employees is very important. This is nice that we can do remote and it can be very productive, but you will find that if you do not have proper proximity to your work group and to your employees, you're going to oversimplify the problem, okay? I don't understand why these guys can't just do the PMs, right? But if you were on site and you were tired, 
talking with them, you might understand that there's better problems. So it's important to maintain a proper proximity. Uh, that's a great point. You know, I had a guest on Arlene Thurkle, um, and she, we talked about, uh, you know, KPIs. We also talked about wins and woes, mm -hmm. right? You get a lot of feedback if you just ask for it, even ask for it, you know, um, with, anonymously. Exactly. Right? And then we can address it as a team. And how can we be better as a team? And I think people like working in teams and working face-to-face. Mm -hmm. -face. We, we all went home. Everyone did their own thing. Biomeds were still in the hospital. But overall, I think people like to be in close proximity with one another. And that's how they bond as a team. They do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let's move on to with the rest of our time today. What are you seeing with females in the industry from your perspective? I mean, I just, I just love to, I got, so I, I'm, I'm a fangirl of many out there <laughs> and watching them come up in the industry. What is your perspective? I am always excited when I interview a female applicant. I, um, I know the talent and the positiveness that adding females to the OR, or to the um, clinical engineering shop provide, right? Uh, I, I remember back uh, when I was in the military and was actually training in the military, believe it or not, females would always do better in marksmanship. Females would always do better in marksmanship. It's because they didn't come with any bad habits. You know, they were completely trained in marksmanship with the United States military, and they didn't have the old Kentucky windage that we teach out in the Midwest, right? So that actually holds true with clinical engineering. I, I, I have a few professor friends in the clinical engineering education system, and they say, you know what, Sean? Females always score better as students. He goes, but do you know the difference I see between a male and a female student comes down to confidence, confidence. Females are always much more uh, careful uh, than male students are. And sometimes that's a way better thing, right? But, but we can understand that when we're looking at a, and it's a very interesting thing. We have a male dominated uh, department in a female dominated medical field, right? So why, you know, being a female not only opens you up to several areas in the hospital where sometimes males are not as welcome as females would be. Now, labor and delivery, women's health, you know, OB-GYNE, those kind of places. But females have a um, better, you know, often a better problem solving, a, a, a much more um, involved in detailed troubleshooting technique. But the one thing that I, the, the, the piece of advice that I can offer females is be genuine, be genuine. Don't change yourself once you get into the clinical engineering shop, because there's a reason why you were hired. There was a reason why you were hired and it's because of who you are, what you bring to this organization. So don't think, you know, when we talk about don't be afraid to ask, you know, don't think that you're going to be viewed a certain way. You know, what leaders want is what you bring to the table. So be you, be genuine. 
And that is how you can be successful. Yeah, I think that's true for everybody is to be, you know, authentic and be genuine. Mm -hmm. And if you're a female coming into an all male shop, you know, embrace it. A hundred percent. Right. And you don't have to become like a man to be in an all male shop. Never. And don't, you know, don't just put up with things, right? We all have to evolve. We all have to evolve. So if there's something happening that is uncomfortable or unprofessional, we have to evolve, right? And we have to have a conversation about that. And those things need to be addressed. And leadership needs to be an advocate of that. I'm, you know, a lot of organizations are coming out with um, groups uh, celebrating um uh, women in healthcare or the LGBTQ or veterans or so forth. Uh, it's important for leadership to be a member of that. Uh, I'm a member of all of our advocacy groups and I attend because I want to understand and, and, and be an advocate for everything. And we need to provide that kind of uh, 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 environment in our organization. Yeah, that's so important. And I try to balance on HGM Insider um, I think listeners will agree, you know, I, I'm always looking for a, a f- strong female to to be the face of HTM. And I think it's important as women in the industry that we do stand up and take these opportunities so we can not only engage with our fellow colleagues in the HTM industry, but also reach the other females out there that are looking for an amazing career field. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to tell you, I have it, it's, it's always been an excellent addition to my team. Um, the, but the, the one of the reasons why and, and I can totally understand why someone, you know, a brand new employee might be a little guarded when they come in. And I can understand why a female might even be a little more guarded. But when I hire them, I see something and and, and just to say, hey, you know, bring what you're bringing to the group. Don't let the group change you. You change the group. That's the reason I'm adding you. Yep, I agree. You know, I could talk to you for hours, Sean. I love (laughs) your outlook, your perspective, how positive you are, and you're a great leader in this HTM industry. So again, thank you for coming on. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Now, we always close HTM Insider with your wow, your word or words of wisdom. What do you have for us today, Sean? Self-investment. Self-investment is my word. Uh, I have, you know, 30 minutes on my calendar every single day uh, developed to self-investment where I do some research on Google or something on how to do something better. And it's a it's a rock when we talk about rock, stones and sands, Right. If you took 30 minutes a day, 365 days a year to in, 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 to improve yourself, imagine what you'd be capable of, right? So if I could push anything out, it's self-investment. And that comes down to self-care, okay? You have to take care of yourself, okay? Self-care is not a privilege. It's a necessity. Take care of yourself so you can be the best you that you can be. I love it, Sean. And we really appreciate you coming on again today and sharing this. And I'm sure if somebody has more questions, I know that you'd be available to reach out or or mentor at any time to help anyone advance in this career field. 100%. uh, Communicate with me through LinkedIn, emails, do anything. I'm always available and happy to share. 
Thanks, Sean. And thank you guys for tuning in again to another episode of HTM Insider. I encourage you to listen through Tech Nation if you are looking for those CE credits, because each episode of HTM Insider that you view on Tech Nation, it is worth one CE credit. So you can spend your lunch and pick up one of those continuing education credits um, to add to your resume. So thanks again, Sean. And you guys have any questions for me? Uh, you know, I'm available LinkedIn and email, and we're always looking for amazing guests. So if you have any ideas, just send them my way. Thank you and bye-bye.